I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 196 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my friend over here. Incredible, legendary drummer. I'll say that. I don't care if you roll your eyes, but it's, 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 come on, man. Your resume speaks for itself. Um, you know what? People, people call me legendary, but I say, well, call me legendary when I'm dead. Okay. Right. Well, they will. So comfortable. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, at at least what's good is that they're calling you legendary while you're still alive. It's not like that fake shit, like when someone dies, all of a sudden they were the greatest. So at least while you're alive, they're calling you that. So it's all good. Okay. Well, I'll I'll take that as a compliment now. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Shit. I mean, I mean, prong, swans, godflesh, jesu, killing joke. Fetus, uh, teledubnosis? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's a dub project I did years ago. Yeah, um, you worked with Buckethead, fucking. Yeah. Um, one, a couple I was not familiar with that maybe later on we could touch on it of mm-hmm. Cabbages and Kings. Yeah, that was with uh, Algis from Swans. Gotcha. And that was, I think, pre Swans, actually. Oh, so you're going way back. Yeah. Dubadelic? Dubadelic, that's Skiz Fernando from Word Sound, working okay. with Bill Laswell. Nice. And Drone, I'm not sure what Drone is. No, well, Drone was a dub project I started in, in L.A. Uh, we never really released anything, but I thought it was worthy of uh, putting on my CV list. Okay. Very cool. Well, you can get into those. And I just want to know, like, you were born and raised in New York? No, actually. I was born in the North Shore of Boston. Nice. He, you know why? Because I have prong in my head. So prong is started, like, down there. So Yeah, I moved to, to, to New York when I was 18 to go to art school in Brooklyn. It was called Pratt Institute. Okay. So I, that was kind of my home, you know. I felt after I moved out of Massachusetts, I felt like that yeah, this is my place now, you know, because yeah. I met a lot of artists and musicians, and you know, every night there were bands playing that I absolutely loved. I was open going to, to all these shows, you know, um, Gang of Four. I mean, the, the list goes on. Killing Joke. All these bands came in from London. Who you yeah. actually? Who you actually played with as well? I forgot Killing Joke. Killing Joke, yeah. I mean, they were like uh, my my favorite band. You know, I was like, obsessed with them when I was a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. And and when you know, and I'm I'm in I'm in the fucking band. I'm like, holy crap! I can't believe it. So <laughs> that's great. One of those holy shit, how did I get here moments? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. Fuck. 
So you, so you can't, you came to Brooklyn where, where I'm sitting right now. Um, mm-hmm. and to go to art school, but now I just want to jump real quick because you're not even in the States right now. No, I've been living in Norway here for almost 20 years. Uh, it was, so uh, it's, it's like a few minutes after two o'clock in the afternoon, Brooklyn time on Friday. What right. time, what, it, what, what time is it there? It's uh, it's now like ten after, uh, almost quarter after eight. So on Friday night. Yeah, we're six hours difference. You're six hours early. Okay. Six hours later. Okay. What brought you up there, man? Black metal. Uh, <laughs> um, not really. Uh, but I, I was uh, on tour with Prong. We were on uh, Sony Epic Records, and I fell in love with this woman that was doing. Uh, doing promotion with us. I think everybody in the band fell in love with her, but I'm the, <laughs> I'm the lucky one. Raven was like, oh, yeah. He, and Tommy was was uh, like, oh, yeah. We were living in L.A. at the time, and Tommy was like um, trying to be all suave and saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, you you want to come out to L.A.? I'll bring you to, to uh, Disney World and all this stuff. And so anyways. So, 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 so Tommy tried to get... You're <laughs> this woman from Norway to go to Disneyland. Yeah, the, we're all because we were all in Oslo doing uh, promotion and interviews, and and Raven was even hitting on. Her. Raven was like, "Yeah, you you look sweaty. You want to come up to the my hotel room and take a shower?" He was a player. <laughs> Raven, man. That guy was uh, like a sex maniac. But so, anyways, I you know. I, I fell in love with her. I moved back to, to uh, uh, um, L.A. after the interviews. I couldn't stop thinking about this woman. So one thing led to another. She came to a London show. and Yeah, I fell in love. And then eventually she moved to Brooklyn because after L.A., I moved back to Brooklyn. And she was working for this company called G Street, which was like um, a hip-hop company. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not very familiar, but, I, but I've heard of it, sure. Yeah, she, my, my wife was in the music industry for a long time, so I said, oh, why don't you move to Brooklyn with me, you know? And she moved to Brooklyn, and then we had a kid, and then we moved back to Massachusetts, and then she got a job, and we moved back here to Norway, and that's basically how I moved over here. Nice. How, how, I, mean, I, I don't know how, obviously, I've never I've never been there, but... You said it's about to get cold up there, huh? It's really cold. But I, all I can say, uh, Jimmy, is uh, it's socialized medicine here, and everything is great here. I mean, my kids get money until they're 18. Socialized medicine is, is free. Uh, but it's a great society. You know, it's like socialized socialism at its finest. The thing is, it, it might not work in the States, but because the country has got a smaller population, sure, it does yeah. really work. So there's a lot of parks here in Norga, Norway. Wow. That's interesting shit. And they, a lot of money here, too, from all the oil they've been uh, drilling out of the ocean. Yeah. How is it like as far as like in the summertime? Because I was I was in the Air Force back in the, in the late '90s, and I was stationed up in Elmendorf, up in Alaska. Right. So a lot of people get like a misconception. I mean, there's certain parts of Alaska. If you go way north, 
it's ridiculous. And that's where you see like the Eskimos and the igloos and shit, penguins. But where <laughs> I was, where I was, it was right outside of Anchorage. So in, in like the summertime, it's beautiful. It gets like 75 degrees out, you know, and it, and it dwindles down. It's not six months light, six months dark. It's just, you know, there's, it goes to a more extreme, but it's different. So like, I have no idea how Norway is. Like a lot of people probably think that Norway is always cold. No, no, it's not. Actually, it's not. Norway in the spring and summer is beautiful. So uh, there's a, the fjords here and uh, a lot of mountains and rivers. And uh, my wife is actually from way up north in uh, Kristensund, which is uh, there's a Kristensand down north and there's a Kristensund up, up north. Okay. And they're, they're all fishermen up there. And it's actually very beautiful up there. Huh. Um, and um, yeah, Norway is a beautiful country. And they actually filmed some of the, uh, um, uh, what did they film here? Um, oh, I can't remember the movie. I have a bad memory now. Um, like the Lord, Lord of, of the Rings? Lord or of the Rings. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. That was actually a guess. I'd never seen any of them, but that was a guess. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, I say. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. And they, Filmed a lot in New Zealand, but it, this place is amazing. Like big mountains coming out of the, the ground and yeah. fjords and waterfalls. So the further you go up north, the less uh, it becomes like tundra. That's where my my father in law is from, and there's nothing there but rocks. Oh shit! And it's really bleak. Everyone up there, and everyone up there is fishermen. They all yeah. fish, but um. I, I gotta say I like Norway, and uh, it's 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 uh, something about the system here, the the social system and the government, and uh, you know um, the kids are on, they have school for free, um, and it's a really well set up government, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, little, like you yeah. said, it might, that might not work in the states because everybody knows whether you like it or not that that the United States is run like a business. It is. You know, it's it's a business. It's a monetary system and all that. Plus the, I mean, where we have over three hundred and twenty-five million people here, different states, different. You know, so it's and and so it's it's it probably wouldn't work very well here. But for up there, I mean, it seems like you know, like you don't even hear anything about how is like this whole coronavirus thing up there. Well, it's gotten worse now. This uh, downtown Oslo is all locked up now. The bars, uh, the theaters, it's, it's getting pretty bad here. Really? So everybody's wearing masks here. It's almost like in the U.S., but not as bad. I mean, not as bad as in New York. You guys got hit really bad, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we got, yeah, a few months back. Um, it was very, very strange. I've said, I've said this several times, but it doesn't matter. Um, but it was, I, I work in the middle of Manhattan. And, yeah. and um, I take the train every single day and I haven't stopped working, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so mm -hmm. in like April, like March, April, when everything mm -hmm. got really shut down, yeah, it was, it was fucking bizarre, dude. But I, I think, I think Cuomo has done pretty good the dealing with all this shit, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I, honestly, yeah. I, I don't really get political on here, yeah. but, but. All I, all I know is Trump hates him. And yeah. it's thinking of cutting off funds for the uh, virus. Trump is, uh, I, I, don't get me started on Trump. He's yeah. such a fucking asshole. Yeah, I, I, but I'll tell you this, the general consensus, consensus of, I think, I could be wrong, of 
New Yorkers in general yeah. can't stand Cuomo and de Blasio is the biggest jerk off ever. <laughs> the biggest. Listen, well, if, if you eat a slice of pizza with a fork and a knife, right yeah. off the bat, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but Ray, how about Ray's Pizza? There's like a billion Ray's Pizza in New York and Manhattan. And yeah. they all say they're, they're the original Ray's Pizza. All of them say they're the original. Such a right. bunch of bullshit. I used to live, I lived a lot of places in Brooklyn, but I, I used to live in uh, Carroll Gardens. Okay. Off of Court Street. And uh, mm-hmm. that's like a total Italian area. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good fellows there. And the pizza there is the fucking best, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm, um, a, I'm, I'm basically in Bensonhurst. I'm not, I'm like five blocks from Lenny's Pizza where they filmed Saturday Night Fever. Right, right. Okay. So, so <laughs> oh, yeah. There was like an anniversary. It was like the 30th or 40th anniversary of it. And right. the neighborhood has changed a lot. It's not, you know, it was just predominantly, it was like Italian and Jewish, but mm-hmm. it's, it's changed a lot. But you didn't, I didn't really realize that there's those guys still around because there was like, like John Travolta came over there and there was like a whole thing, went to yeah. Lenny's Pizza for this anniversary and every guinea in the neighborhood came out with their sweatsuits and their chains and the cigars. It looked, it was ridiculous. I look, I, I laugh at that shit. I grew up around a lot of that stuff. So yeah. I looked, I'm like, these guys, there's Sal and there's Paulie and there's Pete and there's Anthony. It's mm-hmm. like it, almost yeah. out of a movie. Yeah, but, like, hey, whoa, like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> we, used, we used to laugh when, my, when it, it was marrying my wife, my first wife there. They had these signs. It was just like next to these social clubs. You know what they're doing in there. Oh, you know? Of course. And in front of the social club, it said, curb your effing dog. Nice. And we're like, what's a fen dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, curb your fucking dog. Don't, be, don't make a mess out of here. Curb your fucking dog. Yeah, <laughs> do- They were polite, though. They said fen dog. It's hysterical. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Shit. So... All right, so now you you go to art school, and then what brought you down to the Lower East Side, and and what? How do you wind up? I mean, you're you're a co-founding member of Prom, of course, right? Of of course. Well, in case the kids that are listening <laughs> to watch and they're not smartened up yet, he's a co-founding member of Prom. Well, um, what, what brought me down was CBGBs. Of okay? course. So Tommy was working there. Mike was working the door. Tommy's working the the soundboard. Yeah, and I was I was there almost every fucking night, yeah. drinking beer for free. Okay. okay, so this is like my home away from home, CBGBs, and you know Hilly, the whole nine yards. I, I was in there constantly every night. You know. Yeah. Um. So, but I back in back then in the early eighties, there was something. I mean, it's changed now. Obviously, New York is. Oh. Totally different. The Lower East Side there, you'd have all these clubs, the Sin Club, and you have, you know, CBGBs. You have all these great clubs. You could pretty much play any gig, uh, any, any day of the week in New York, yeah, you know? without a doubt. Yeah, the Pyramid Club, you had CBs, you had the Marquee, you, you had so many. A7, that, you know, Bad Brains used to play all the sure. time. Um, so I was down at CBGBs most of the time, and... Uh, so 
um, and just seeing all my favorite bands, you know? Yeah. Ramones would be, be playing there. I was there. I, I mean, I was actually there at the time CBGB's was playing, uh, you know, having all these people, the Ramones, Blondie, yeah. Television, yeah. Um, you know, all these great bands from New York, Suicide, sure. they were great. Um, so I, I really had fun in New York. I mean, I had a blast there. Especially, especially during those times, man. Yeah, early 80s, because I, I, I moved there from Massachusetts in 1980, and I we moved, I think it was like mid-90s. Okay. And I, I moved so many places, I can't remember, Manhattan, and then back to Brooklyn, and then back to Brooklyn again, and moving here and there, and so, um, but it, it, that, it was an amazing time for me, and I was playing a lot of music. And in a lot of bands, even before prom, that I was doing. And, like who? Like who? Well, she's okay. There was this. The first band I was in in art school was called Group of Trees. Okay. Group of Trees. Group of Trees. And it was All right. Just, it Sounds was mid- <laughs> Not really. I know. It was. It was kind of like um, post-punk experimental. Okay. Uh, with my friend Greg, who I met on the uh, radio show or the radio uh, uh, company that we had at Pratt Institute. And Greggy and I were good friends. Funny enough, Greg was from my same area where I was grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. And we loved the same kind of music. You know, we, we loved everything. You know, we loved post-punk stuff and punk and experimental electronics, whatever, whatever it was going on there at that time we'd listen to and play so um and then we we uh, so group of trees was me and greg we used to call him uh mr professor because he built this big electronic thing with shortwave radios in it (laughs) synthesizers and i didn't have my drums at the time so i was playing pots and pans nice we invited uh this girl julie jigsaw who was a big crass band this is all art school, you know, all the all the art fags and all the <laughs> <laughs> So she had no she had no clue how to play anything. So we gave her a guitar and it was out of tune and everything. But we 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 that we we did some gigs and parties, okay? Uh so after that, Greg and I got invited to be in this band called Crazy Hearts. Okay. Now Crazy Hearts kind of sounded like public image, okay? Heavy bass, drums, guitar, and a singer, you know. And actually, Pill, uh, John Lydon actually came to dance Terrier when we played there. Nice. Now, another another connection was we shared a studio with um, Bad Brains in the Lower East Side. No shit. Crazy Hearts and, and Bad Brains. Nice. And um, was, yeah, it we, A1, was that A1A? That I think it was, yeah. You remember that guy Jerry who used to do all the shows, all the, the Bad Rain shows, and all the hardcore. He, well, he would do the Crow Mags gigs and stuff. Was it Jesse? Jesse Mallon? No, no. This guy was called Jerry, I think. Not, not, not sure. You're too young for that. I'm 45, but I know some of my <laughs> shit. Just a kid. Yeah, I'm a puppy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, um, anyways, and then then I played with this. Uh, I played with Greg again in this band called Ten Hail Marys. He sounded like The Fall and Television, 
we played some gigs here and there. Uh, we opened up for Husker Du. Okay. At, at the Ritz. And uh, so I've always been involved with music playing in between the art school stuff. That's cool. Um, so, um, so you got together with Tommy Victor and said, let's fucking make a band? Yeah, well, I was in Swans first, right? And then Tommy ah, said, uh, yeah, my, the band was actually called My Ruin. It was, it was just uh, Mike and Tommy and a couple of the drummers. And Tommy said, yeah, um, you want to be in this band prong? And, and we said, I said, yeah, sure. And uh, we used to practice at um, the Sin, not the Sin Club, but um, what was on 23rd? It was like a... Uh, club there. Giorgio Gomalski, who used to work with the Rolling Stones, moved there and opened up this club and then had rehearsal spaces down there. Okay. It was on 23rd and I can't remember what's maybe 8th, I think, at 8th Avenue. Okay. So and that's pretty much how we started, you know? Yeah. Play CD it, it, it's kind of a, It was kind of a, a different turn from, you know, post-punk type stuff. It was more I'm going to say more on like the thrashier side of music back in the day. Definitely, because we, we all, we all love like Chrome and Killing Joke and all this stuff, but we also liked a lot of the new metal that was coming out. You know, like when Slayer came out, we were like, this shit's great, man. Oh, you, know, this is- you and, and everyone else. Yeah. Slayer and, and Destruction and Venom and all this stuff. But then we were really into like COC. And uh, we were into like Whiplash, all these metal bands. But we play with the metal bands. Now we play with like the crossover bands. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Nice little mixture there. Yeah. And we we put out we put out our own music because nobody wanted to sign us. So that's when we did Primitive Origins and in, uh, in Force Fed. Yeah. Primitive but, Origins um, was the, the artwork was done by. Um, Sean. Sean. Sean Taggart. Sean Taggart. Right. Yeah, he he did the agnostic front covers and stuff. Crumb yeah, he, suckers. He's done crumb so suckers. Much. Yeah, yeah. Even the jerky boy stuff he's done. Oh yeah, because he was he was friends with one of the jerky boys. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, and then you put out force fed, but force was it force fed? You got signed. I guess was it? I don't know if he was a part of it, but was Harry Abrams part of In Effect at that point yet? Exactly, yeah. And then we were on, uh, in effect, with uh, Sick of It All and the Bad Brains who were on that label. And, yeah. you know, that, then we started moving a little bit more, you know. We right. started, but you know what? We, we had this real shitty van. It was, like, falling apart that Tommy would park in front of his house, apartment. He was living on, uh, like, 9th and A or something. And the thing was a rust bucket, you know. And there were, like, homeless people sleeping in it, were, mm-hmm. you know. But we'd be lucky if we could get to Jersey in the thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was such a jitbox. <laughs> but we had a big uh, sofa in it, and that's where all the homeless people were sleeping. It's like, okay, time to get out. We got a gig. Oh sh- shit! <laughs> but we, the thing we we made it actually to to Washington and Boston, New Jersey, with it. And then one day it just kicked the bucket, and we're like, oh fuck. Well, what are we gonna do now? Well, we gotta. We got to rent a van, you know. It's it. Jesse, like every other half a touring band. Yeah. You know, this guy, Jesse, who was, who was driving uh, bands around back then, he had a van, uh, and he was always able to, to, you know, drive bands around the gigs. Mm-hmm. That's cool. 
So now, now, did did you tour very much off of? I mean, I, I mean, basically, you just answered that question. I mean, you did like the tri-state area with like Force Fed and Primitive Origins, yeah, a few dates here and there. Yeah. But then, I mean, I I recently, uh, uh, well, at this point when this is out, I mean, it's probably about I don't know, almost ten episodes ago, I had Tommy on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. So we went over like uh, the whole thing where, where I got introduced to prong was, was through headbangers ball, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it was, you know, there was three different songs that they would have within the intro and the interludes. Mm-hmm. And like, even Tommy was like, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. I was like, how could they not realize that? You know, it was like, it was what steady decline lost and found and for dear life was yeah. all. Yeah. Which was fucking great. And I was like, like, who is this? And then I went and I bought, and I saw the, obviously the Back to Different album and I got mm. that. And then I went in reverse and got the other stuff. Yeah. But, um, but what did you guys, I'm not, I'm not, I honestly, I don't remember exactly how I spoke about this at all with Tommy and I'm not even going to try to remember, but if I'm repeating myself, kids too bad. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. This is for, this is just off the cuff here. Um, so did you get approached by what was it? It was Epic Records, right? Exactly. Um, to be honest, I'm going to tell you the truth. Vernon Reed from Living Color yes. used to play CBs all the time with the band. And we became friends with them. And he goes up to Sony Epic and uh, tells our A&R, uh, his A&R guy, man, you got to check out this, this band Prom. They're really fucking great. Wow. So... Um, one of the A&R guy come, comes down there and he's like, you know what? We really want to sign you. And we're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I get uh, it. Yeah. yeah. And he came back to the dressing room. We were like, yeah, right. And it, we were like, should we sign? Or, I mean, we were actually, we were actually doing really well in London on Southern records, which was like a big independent label. Yeah. So, um, the only reason we signed with Sony Epic is so we could travel and get some sure. more money to do stuff. We, you know, when we got signed, we actually made back to different Rhode Island, and um, then we were on tour. You know, the first tour we did was with Soundgarden and Voivod. That's ridiculous. I know, and but you know, Chris uh, Cornell was a massive prong fan. He has he had this prong symbol on his leather jacket. And, um, you know, and we played with a lot of great people, you know, that's, uh, you know, getting in the van and or getting on a bus and touring maybe, uh, was probably the best thing for us. Now, yeah. did we make a lot of money? Sort of a lot more than when we were like, you know, street cred, but. Right. Yeah, man. Well, well, you guys, you guys literally came from a completely like DIY ethic, you know what I mean? I mean. You're playing TVs. You have the shitty car that finally shits the bed. You finally get money together to get the van. And then next thing you know, things start happening. And that's great, man. So even though you didn't become millionaires off of Beg to Differ, it was still a fucking hell of a lot more than what you guys had to start with. Definitely. (laughs) You know who who, uh, gave us a big boost was Pantera. Those guys, they loved the Beg to Differ album. It's and a great we, fucking record, man. We went to we went to Texas and they were like, "Oh man, Tommy Brown, we love Brown." And they were on, <laughs> they were playing in this club and they they came there, true Texas style. 
right. and uh, we went in Vinnie Vinnie Paul's uh, van, and they're playing Blastin' Prom. Um, so they got us on a lot, on a lot of a lot of tours. So it, we we have to thank them for for uh, help us helping yeah. us out. And that was kind of early on. That was probably what, like ninety two ish, ninety one, ninety two. Probably ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. So that's and, either in between Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar Display of Power. So at that point, yeah. Pantera was on their way to becoming fucking giant. Exactly. Yeah. And um, they're great, great metal band, you know, sure. undoubtedly. Yeah, um, man. Some people like to shit on it, shit on Pantera. I don't know why, because it's like the cool thing to do. Stop. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. They were a fucking incredible fucking band. And that's all that has to be said. But we ended up playing with Sepultura and all these other bands. We got to play with Ozzy and Black Sabbath with Dio. And, you know, we played the Ozfest all the time. And um, and then we, the thing is, we were on the road constantly because that was a yeah. thing to do. You know, we saw, okay, Metallica's doing this. They're on the road constantly. That's how they're making money. Yeah. They're not selling records. Well, they are, but to really... Promote yourself. You got to go on the road, sell merch, sell T-shirts, records, you know, CDs. Yeah, and that's how you make your money. So yeah. we thought we could do that too. You know, sure. the thing is, it, it's a lot of work. You know, it, it became really fun. I, I, I have to say, I had a blast touring. I, I loved it, but you know, it's it a little boring after a while being on the road. Prom was on the road almost eight to nine months out of the year. Wow. You could stay on the road 12 months out of the year if you wanted to. Sure. Go to Europe and do festivals and come back and do a, do your own tour and then go to Canada. And then, you know, I mean, you know, like Henry Rollins says, that you could do that, that whole get in the van book that he wrote. The, the guy was touring left and right with with, uh, with, um, um, with uh, Black Flag. Sure. You know, those guys were constantly on the road, you know. Yeah, man. But you know, it's not very good if you're if you're married or you have kids. You know, right? Yeah, it's a different lifestyle for somebody. Totally Someone different. Who, yeah, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's like kinda, like if you if you're not making money on the road to make ends meet, you know, constantly, mm -hmm. then you have to come home. You have to get this go nowhere, whatever construction job, and then leave it. And then yeah, so it, it's not easy. A lot of people think, oh, you're in a band, everything should be great. No, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. yeah, it's a lot of work, but. To be honest with you, we I made made a decent living with prom for ten to fifteen years. I paid my bills, I paid my rent, and um, you know I I played drums, which was my dream job. Yeah. Besides making art, which I'm doing now, but I mean, you know, I I didn't get into music to be be touring. I just like playing the drums. Yeah, know? without a doubt. So you, I know you you toured your asses off with Back to Differ, and and yeah, you say Pantera, but you know what, like. MTV had to have fucking helped you guys just by doing, you know, the, oh, the, of course. the video and, and, and all that other shit. I mean, I mean, I'm just one, you know, one person in the whole fucking group that, you know, that I found pronged through that, you know, that, yeah. that was that whole era of legitimate MTV where there was actually music videos. Yeah. We, uh, we were on Beavis and Butthead. So when you get on Beavis and Butthead, you're like, okay, cool. We're on Beavis and Butthead now. Yeah. We kind of made it, yeah. But it's it's kind of true, though. Listen, Beavis and Butthead made White Zombie fucking blow up like crazy. I'm, man, I know. Because uh, when they moved out to L.A., they, they started getting amazingly gigantic. You know? Yeah. So big, 
to be honest with you, this white zombie, Rob Zombie, used to play with um, uh, White Zombie, and, and we open up for us, you know, yeah, at, at CBGB's. Yeah, you know, he'd have like the the, the glowing uh, skeleton like Halloween stuff on stage. Yeah. Then he's then we're playing with them. He's got the bombs and he's got the rockets and the the light up stuff. I mean, he was like, it it, it was it, he went nuts with that shit. Yeah, but, man. You know, they they were a good band, and and I'm friends with Rob Zombie because he was a cool guy. He actually did one of our our videos, Rude Awakening. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, because you've gotten to doing videos and making all these horror movies and stuff. Yeah, sure. But he's from Andover, North, uh, Massachusetts, like two minutes from where I grew up. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I just recently had, well, it didn't drop yet, but now people listening, they've heard it already. I had Ivan on, the drummer for White Zombie. Ivan, yeah, I was good friends with him. I haven't talked to him in ages, though. He, li- he lives in Oregon. He is in Oregon. He was living in L.A. on the in the, uh, the hills somewhere, I think. Yeah, he's somewhere in Oregon. He's producing music, and he has his own little bands, and he lives yeah, like, on yeah. a farm. He has, like, chickens and a fucking cherry tree <laughs> in his yard. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Yeah, yeah Ivan, Ivan was super fun and very cool to talk with, man. Yeah, very yeah, cool. he's, he's a funny dude. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, when we moved to L.A., just prong moved to L.A., we were tired of, of New York, so, yeah. Fuck it, let's go to New York. Let's go to LA. I mean, White Zombie went out there and they're they're doing pretty good. So yeah, uh, and 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 uh, Sony Epic took care of us out there. We were living high on the hog out there. We all got our, we all got our own cars and we all lived in this amazing uh, house in the Hollywood Hills. Nice. That's when Raven was in the band. So so that's um, like prove you. Well, that's you. You did you record Prove You Wrong out there? Prove prove you wrong. Um, no, we recorded that in Pennsylvania. Gotcha. And that was with Troy Gregory. That's right. where we're still living in New York. Personally, overall, my favorite prong record. I'm pretty proud of my drumming on that album. You Dude, know? that overall, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's ridiculous songs on all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm gonna say, bullet, you know, gun to my head. Prove you wrong is probably my favorite. Yeah. There's some ridiculous shit on there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that album. I really do. Tommy didn't really like the sound of it. He wanted to go for more of a drier type sound. But, you know, I I think some of my drumming is the best drumming I've done. It's and Mark, Mark Dotson was uh, the guy that, that produced that album. He worked with Suicidal Tendencies and Anthrax. So yeah. Kind of suggested by the debate by uh, Sony Epic. So. But, right. uh, well, it seems we, like it seems like it worked out for everybody except for Tommy didn't like it too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Tommy liked the, the songs, but you know, I think if if he had a choice, because they put me in a big like uh, gym uh, uh, area to play the drums, you know, a lot of like live reverb, you know. Hmm. Um, but. Um, and then um, Terry Date was doing a lot of our stuff. Uh, he did the two last albums. That you were on, Cleansing and Rude Awakening. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, man. Terry, Terry was great to work with. He's like a real meat and potatoes drummer, uh, yeah. producer. Producer. Um, he, he produced uh, Deftones, one of my favorites. And uh, 
who else did he work with? He worked with Soundgarden, I think. He worked with a lot of people, and he was just a really good um, guy to work with in the studio, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because at that point, I mean, snap your fingers, snap your neck comes out, and, you know, obviously that's probably still, to, probably still to this day is Prong's, like, most successful and biggest song. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, so now... We're getting into like what year? What year did Rude Awakening come out? Around the ninety seven ish, I think ninety seven, ninety eight. I think. Yeah, so I'm thinking that was the, the, the last Prong uh, album that I was on. Right. Yeah. So now, now I have to ask it, and this I guess was technically my first actual question: is what caused you to leave the band? Well, Tommy broke the band up. Tommy was a, was the nicest guy to, to people at the at the record company. He'd be angry like every every time we meet someone at one of our gigs, he's like yelling at him about how he, they didn't promote us enough. And uh, I mean, it, to be honest with you, we, we actually made six five albums on Sony Epic, right? And you know, we're we're competing with like Rage Against the Machine, and yeah. we're we're and and, and like um. Uh, sound, uh, not Soundgarden, but um, um, what's that other band from Seattle that got really, really huge? Alice in uh, Chains. No, not Alice in Chains. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Thank you. So we're dealing with these people. They're going triple platinum, and you know, we uh, actually made, we sold uh, seventy thousand records, copies yeah. of records. Which was yeah. But, uh, but that was a very strange time, I mean, for, for heavy music, because that's when grunge had taken over at that point. So Exactly. So it can't, it, you know, it's not easy to, you know, I mean, everything was just saturated with just Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, like, that's yeah. all there was. And then there yeah. was the Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. And, but like if you really think about bands that, and then you started getting into even weirder shit which is like all the new metal stuff so like thrash metal and 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 i don't even know how to categorize prong after like from like back to different on they, they call but, kind of called us new metal which was like one biscuit and i and, don't think uh, you guys fall into that category no we didn't want we didn't like to be categorized because we 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 didn't want to fall into all these you know, you know, categories. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but Tommy was always kind of angry because he, you know, he felt like, um, um, like all these bands kind of stole our sound and, right. um, well, that, well, that could, that, I mean, there's, there's parts that are, that are probably facts. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, so, I don't know. I, I but, can't. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Nah, whatever. Um, so so he breaks up the band, and then what do you do from there? I joined Godflesh. Fucking so sick, dude. John Justin called me up. You know, we played Prong played with Godflesh because we all love Godflesh back then. Yeah, in the day. that you early Godflesh shit. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. And I told Justin, I said, Man, if you ever want drummer, give me a call. So he gave me a call, what, eight years later? And I uh, said, yeah, we're, we're going to have a drummer. Yeah, so, and, 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 am I wrong? But were you like the first actual drummer for them? No, Mick Harris was from Napalm Death. On, on, but recorded-wise? Recorded-wise, yeah. Okay, because yeah. they always use drum machines, so. 
Yeah, well, which is the great thing about Godflesh, you know, yeah, that, that real mechan mechanical, like without a know, doubt. Yeah, and I mean, Godflesh was really influenced in a lot of bands, with, you know, oh. ministry and this and that. Dude, hell yeah! But Justin, I, I... Justin and Benny is such a cool, sweet guys. You know, it's so fun to tour with them. Yeah. For playing such aggressive music, I mean, they're, they're both real mellow guys, really yeah. mellow guys. Yeah. But um, you recorded what? You recorded hymns. The hymns album in in Wales. Yeah. So fucking good, man. A lot of people didn't like that. Godflesh purists didn't like it, but I. I oh, Godflesh purists need to get over themselves. <laughs> That's what I say about all you Godflesh yeah. purists. Everyone's a purist. Everyone's a purist if they're a big if they're a big fan. Oh yeah, Teddy Ted Passes came in and he ruined Godflesh. And I was like, <laughs> you sorry, I you know. Oh, everyone, relax yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I thought it was a good album, you know. I think, like, I think it's great. You know, Justin had a problem. He, he, it was a, his first time recording in a real studio because most of his stuff he made at home in his own own studio. Right. So he was very picky about the sound and so forth. And um, uh, but I, yeah, I think it's a good album. I think so too. One of one of my favorite Godflesh songs are on that record. Voidhead. Mm. Voidhead. Love that fucking song. Cool. So angry. It's so fucking good, man. Love yeah. that shit. So now, so now you were with them for a while. I mean, obviously you toured with them. Yeah, we did, a, we did a tour in the States. And we did a tour in Europe. And then we did another tour in the States. And then, um, then Benny left because he, he didn't want to do um, Godflesh anymore. And then they got back together again because uh, they were offering them these uh, European tours and offering Justin sick money to do Godflesh, like right. like ten thousand for a gig, literally. Wow! And who could who could pass that up? Yeah, really. You know, um, but uh, I really respect Justin. All the stuff he does is is great. His ambient stuff and Yezu, which I played on the last Yezu album. Um, yes. And uh, and I'm doing some stuff with him and uh, Mick Harris. Uh, I have this new project with Mick Harris and Mark Stewart um, from um, uh, On You Sound. Yeah, yeah, crazy man. So now, Sw did you ever wind up going back to playing with Swans at all in between? Fillings? No, Not no, I, I, I it, it was. First, I got into Swans, and that was kind of like mixing in when I joined Pong, and then I was still right. in Swans. And, you know, the thing is, I kind of left Swans. Not that I didn't like Swans, but um, it wasn't really my cup of tea, you know, because I was a punk hardcore um, yeah. drummer, you know. Yeah, it's an acquired listen. It's, it, it's, it is. It and, definitely is. And Al, just the bass player, we were, we were playing in um, – at CBGB's one night. This guy comes in, a bass player, he's like, a bit drunk, he's like, you guys sound like Venom. <laughs> and I said, who the fuck are you? And who said you can come into our dressing room? <laughs> and we, after, he said, call me up, we became friends, good friends. He's like a brother to me now. So he said, Teddy, I want you to join Swans. Hmm, swans? I didn't really like it so much, but I, he said, yeah, we're going to tour for 
like three months in Europe, I said, all right, I'll join the band. <laughs> right. There you go. I want to go check out Europe, so I'll yeah. find play for a little uh, while. But, you know, that, that was a great tour. We had, we had two drummers, and we met Neubauten and Leibach. We met all these weird bands that I had never heard about before. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just, just really basic drumming, you know, yeah. really slow. The space was more important than the actual note. You know? Right. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And it's looking, not really my thing. You have to be in a specific mood, <coughs> I think. But yeah. listen, I don't. I don't knock anything. If someone, if someone digs, I know people that love that band. Uh, like, people that are obsessed with it. You know? Obsessed. Yeah. And hey, if that, if that if that's your thing, have the fuck at it, man. That's Whatever cool. floats your boat. That's my what I say. Exactly. Shit. So now I didn't know this until I was like, until I was looking like looking you up a little bit, mm -hmm. um, which is a movie that I haven't seen in a while, but it's an awesome movie. You did something on the soundtrack to Strange Days. Exactly. We did the the song Strange Days with Ray Manzarek. Doors. That must have been insane. It was crazy. You know, we were sitting in the, uh, the LA offices at Sony, and and Ray calls up to talk to us, and he's like, "Hey, man, how you doing, bro? Uh, we're gonna do this song, uh, Strange Days, together." And he said, "Well, I'm gonna tell you how, or explain it to you using my human mouth. That's how I think it's, it's gonna sound." He's like, He's a, a different guy, really cool. But so we, we record this thing in Electric Ladyland, uh, no, A&M Studios in LA. Okay. So we Ray comes in, we got his organ all set up, and he's like, hey, man, how you doing? It's like, oh, my God, it's Ray Manzarek. Of course. So, and and he, he's fucking out at the organ, and he's like, we did like three tracks, uh, three takes, and we said, you know, Ray, that those are – they sound great, you know. We'll pick one of those. And he said, "Yeah, but let's let's do one more." And, and we couldn't get the guy out of the studio, you know. And he's like, "Let me do one more, okay?" Uh huh. And um, he was a lot of fun. He was telling stories about um, you know, um, Morrison and uh, the whole all the band and stuff, wow. touring and not touring. And he was a really fun guy. And um, awesome, dude. so I'm like, oh my god, I'll make a music with Ray Manzarek, and it was like a metal version of, of Strange Days. Yeah, that's and he, crazy, man. Yeah, so I've, I've been getting lucky playing, meeting some people. That, yeah, that, uh, I, I thought were pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool, man. So what are you doing now? As far well, you, uh, well, obviously, are you? Well, I don't even know how the music. See, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like you, like here in the states, because nothing is happening here in the states. But yeah, do you have like any yeah. bands or side projects, music that you're doing now? I've got, I've got like four projects going now. Of and course. The, 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 the thing is, I gotta tell you, I did Killing Joke for like three month tour. Absolutely yeah. had a blast. After I got off a three month tour, you know, my my wife was like ready to leave me. You know, I had two, <laughs> I got two kids, and I'm like. My dream gig, you know, when we're doing this gig and that gig, U.S. and and um, Europe, and so after three months of being with Killing Joke, meanwhile, Jazz Coleman is 
is um, different, a bit, a bit uh, challenging to be with, you know, um, but intense, amazing. Jordy, uh, the guitar player, is one of my favorite in the world. So uh, Raven actually got me that gig, like uh, in, in Killing Joke. Um, so after after three months of, of playing festivals and playing with my favorite band in the world, uh, I started going back and I was helping a friend of mine take a ceiling down and I had these seizures come in. And I was like, what the fuck is that? You know, I went to the doctor and he's like, oh, just take some aspirin, you know, it'll be okay. Uh, so I did, <laughs> you know, you gotta listen to your doctor. Yeah, I guess. So I, I went home and I took some aspirin and I started having these little mini seizures again. So I, I went to have an MR because I didn't think it was right. And funny enough, they found two, uh, cancerous tumors that were, um, malignant yeah. in my brain. Yeah. No shit. So I, the, the, the doctors, I mean, thank God I'm living in Norway during all this cancer shit because it was all free, you know? Yeah. You can see I'm on top of my head. Yeah, man. No shit. Okay. So it was a big deal, you know? My parents came over, my, my you know, and the, the doctors were saying, uh, the brain, my brain surgeon was saying, we don't know anything about this these tumors. And we don't know how long he's going to live. We'll say maybe we'll give him like two to three months. Wow. Now, meanwhile, after my uh, biopsy, they, they check out what, what they were dealing with. You know, I was, I was like, oh, okay, why did you make this giant, giant hole here to get into that one little spot? And they said, well, we got to get in there. So, um, so you know your your cranium doesn't blow up. So they find finds the two uh, two tumors in there, cancerous, and um, and, and then they stitch it up with like uh, staples. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was playing with some local band here that I really liked, and we were making music, dub and funk and stuff, and and. You know, I, to be honest, after I was out of the hospital, like a week later, I went down to jam with them, and they were like, "Teddy, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, you're supposed to be in bed." And it was like, "Yeah, I just, yeah, I want to play my drums. I miss you guys." Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, you, you, you're playing like, you know, very normal. You know, uh, I was exhausted. I went through chemotherapy and radiation. I was in the bed for like three months, and." Uh, but, you know, here I am. This happened in 2003, I think, right after the Killing Joke tour. Here I am, uh, cancer-free. Awesome. So I do uh, MRs every year, you know, like twice a year. And uh, my brain surgeon's really cool. He's like, yeah, I want you to stay here in Norway so I can die on you. Huh. I mean, this, this shit doesn't happen to you, does it? It's always the other guy. And, of course. Wow, um, man. And uh, I was just, you know, it was a really bad time for me, you know. I wasn't really depressed. I was just kind of out of it with all the medication and stuff. And looking back now, I, I, you know, kind of after that whole thing cleared, uh, you know, I kind of take, I, I take every day as it comes, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't take life for granted anymore. I got two kids. One, my son is, uh, 
my son Hunter is 21 and my daughter is going to be 18 this year. And uh, I love them to pieces. And, you know, I just wanted to be around to, watch, to see them grow up. You of know? course, man. Yeah. So, um, but so that's, that's a little side, side, uh, um, side trip that I took <laughs> during my, yeah. no, that's my, a pretty my big, career. That's a pretty big fucking side trip, man. Yeah. Jeez, that's, that's life altering shit. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm alive. So I, yeah. I could have been I could have been dead. You know, absolutely. Uh, but uh, the my brain surgeon said it's been cooking in there, growing probably for about twelve years. Wow. So I'm thinking, when was it? When was that? Twelve years ago. That was sort of L.A. New York. It's like, wow, was it really started then? Wow. It, it was it wasn't just one. It was two. I call them Sir, uh, Siamese tumors. Fuck. Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. Well, it's fucking, I mean, that's great that you're cancer free, man. You're cancer free for a long time now. So that's, thank God. That's good. Definitely. To hear, Definitely. Yeah. So now you're, uh, you're, 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 you're working, you're, you're an artist, man. You're, you're working on art. I, I make art. Yeah. How much I make art. I'm from Boston. I make art. Yeah, you make art. <laughs> Patty. <laughs> Chowderheads. Yeah, Chowderheads. There was that whole hardcore, not LA, Boston album. Oh, yeah, this is Boston, Boston not LA. Exactly. The FUs, the SSD control, Slapshot. I was at all those gigs. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good shit. All that stuff is awesome shit. But now, so I've been living in Norway since 1999, I think. Okay. Tony and my wife and I got married in Brooklyn, and uh, we went to the, the uh, city hall, and my friend Aldous from Swans was our my best man, maid of honor, um, you know, food server. <laughs> he was everything. <laughs> everything. He was like Mr. Everything. Nice. So we've been married for almost 20, over 20 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Man. And, uh, you know, we have ups and downs like everyone, but you know, she's she's a good one. She's a good girl. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I got two kids. Uh, my son's making electronic music, making money doing that stuff. That's that's always a good thing. And uh, my daughter's uh, a drama queen. We call her drama. She loves going to theater, and she's in the theater groups. And um, yeah, that's fucking so. great, man. That's good shit. And my wife, whether you believe it or not, she's a medium. She's like um, Teresa Caputo with uh, the Long Island Medium. She talks to dead people. Um, it's that's very funny that you actually say that because, and I and I absolutely do believe you. Um, do you, do you believe it. in that? Like mediums, like psychic mediums, and um. <laughs> it's so funny. It always comes up, and I'll be honest. Oh, I'll be—I'm completely honest. And I, I tell my girl sometimes, I'm like, "Yeah, you came up on the podcast. Oh, yeah, why?" And now this is again going to be one of those instances. Um, <laughs> it's so weird that you said that, but um, I was very, very, very skeptical at first. I was like, "That's a bunch of bullshit." Blah, exactly. Blah, blah. That's how I was. Right. 
This is bull. Listen, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not believing. It. Get get out of here. I you can't you can't bullshit a bullshitter. You're not gonna no. get over on me with your nonsense. But no. but after a while, it's like how many times are you gonna witness and see something with your own eyes and yeah. still dismiss it? Right. Right. Um. You know, my 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 girlfriend now she. She's got something there. Okay. Um, I've seen her. And another thing, people roll their eyes when you hear about a Ouija board. But it's not the Ouija board itself. It's only a tool to use. It's the person that's using it is what matters. Exactly. And I've witnessed on several occasions completely, completely unexplainable things and names that have come up and things that have come through the board that she had no idea of yeah people that even in even in like a regular conversation throughout the almost five years that we're together it's just certain things just never come up in conversation about people that aren't even relevant in your life but and next thing you know one thing leads to another and i've seen it um so I do believe you. I do. I well, believe my, my wife will be happy about that. Yes, yes. You know, well, here, here, here in Norway, the the government doesn't really like it. They, they call them like a hoax and all this stuff. Right. Very Christian country, but you well, know, that's a very easy way to dismiss something, isn't it? A it conspiracy is. theorist, a hoax, blah yeah. blah. It's just, but you know, it, it, you know, Jesus was a healer. Oh, so it was okay when Jesus did it. You know, he was a healer, right. and he, you know, yeah. So when somebody else does it, like, oh, that's a that's a hoax, right? But yeah. Jesus, Jesus did it, so he's right. a good one. He, he's okay, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it, my 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 wife is half Sami, which is like the indigenous people here up north. Okay, and um, they were very spiritual. And a lot of the Christians went up there and uh, just wiped them out because that's what they did, you know, like the witches and Salem and all this stuff. We, we went is, to we went to Salem the weekend before Halloween. We've never yeah. been there, yeah. and it's fucked up shit that happened there. It is. My son was born in Salem, Mass. Oh no, shit. Yeah, um, but you know, so she's she's a medium, which means she's not really. She's just contact getting contacted by the spirits uh, to tell other people about, you know, maybe someone that's passed. So she's not like she's just being used by the spirits. Right. And some people can, I mean, she'll be on a bus or something. She'll get, get someone in. Like, yeah, this guy across from you on the bus here or on the subway. Yeah, can you give him a message? And my wife's like, okay. So it's like it'll just come out of the out of the blue. Wow. I was very skeptical about this, Jimmy, and I was like, finally, I get it. Yeah, it's it's I, very it's very odd. There's 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 that there's there's definitely a, that moment where you have to. It takes a certain amount of time to be like, you know what? Yeah, there might be something to this. So she's actually doing this for a living. She does it online with Skype and stuff. And people, she'll talk to somebody in um, Australia. She'll talk to someone in uh, San Diego. Yeah. Um, and she's the real deal. She tries to help people best she can. Wow. 
You know, Very she, ha- she she hates the music industry. She hates musicians, except drummers, maybe. Right. She, when, when she was at Sony Records, there were so many asshole musicians that she was dealing with. Oh, I'm sure. And um, she was like, I- I'm done with it. You know, now she's helping people, which is, you know, what she wants to do. That's great. So. That's very cool, man. But anyways, as far as projects now, I'm doing a project with uh, Vernon Reed. Awesome. And Percy Howard and uh, Bill Laszlo. Nice. Per- Percy calls me out of the blue and says, hey, Ted, I want you to be in this band. I'm like, oh, okay. Why not? And then um, I'm doing this thing with uh, with uh, Araldo Bernacci and Colin Edwin, who used to play in this band, Porcupine Tree, called um, uh, Metallic Taste of Blood. It's not anything metal, okay. but it's a, it's just a really cool dub, experimental funk stuff, you know, okay. which I love. Uh, you know, yeah. I got really into reggae and dub music because my parents went to jamaica and brought back shitloads of stuff from the 70s when i was like 10 years old nice and that's how i got involved in doing doing the dub and reggae stuff mm-hmm. so i've got that going and then i've got a local band here that i play with which is more punk and kind of uh kind of like rock stuff and you know nothing, nothing massive but i mean the the, the record co- there's no record companies anymore signing signing bands so right you know, what you have to do is do your own recordings and then put them on SoundCloud and stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's um, so I got like three or four projects going on, but I have to do them all through the internet. Of course. Yeah. And because uh, it's different fucked. time, man. It's crazy. It, it's so fucked up now. It's, it's like Armageddon, you know, it's like with the virus and everything, with Trump and the whole, vi- the, the, the whole voting system and that guy is such a fucking cunt. I, I don't have words for him. I don't, he says Donald cunt, I call him, and his fucking asshole family there. Okay, out. You you had your turn. Out. You're fired. But yeah, you, you know what? It doesn't really matter who's in there. The banks run run the show. Of course, we, we all know that. We all. Know. We all know that. Well. I, I just I just want to shout out my sponsors real quick. Then I have a couple more things, and I won't hold you hostage too much longer. No problem. No problem, Jimmy. Are, are you are you a coffee guy? Definitely. Ah. No ways. Big coffee drinkers over here. Nice. They love coffee. Dead Sled Coffee is a sponsor on the podcast. D E A D S L E D Coffee. You follow Dead Sled, Dead Sled Coffee. And you can follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. And if you go to deadsledcoffee.com yeah. and you put in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 15% off your order. And any order over 40 bucks is free domestic shipping. I don't know about Norway, but within the States, it's free domestic shipping with any order over 40 bucks. I got to check it out. I but I'm sure, out. I'm sure my boy Mike will send you a package over to Norway. As a matter of cool. fact, Ivan from White Zombie ordered coffee from him, and he was very excited because he loves metal and, you know, shit like that. So if I'm yeah, like, yeah. listen, man, Ted fucking Passons from fucking Prong <laughs> ordered coffee, I'm sure he'd be excited. Oh, good. That's not just for you. That's for anyone who's listening. Um, that's, also, that's one good thing about being in Prong is getting some free coffee back in the way. There you go. <laughs> now, another sponsor, Generation Records. 
Mm-hmm. It's located 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. Follow them on Instagram as well, Generation Re- at Generation Records. If you go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com, you there's a mail order there. So far, they have so far they survived this whole pandemic and they are open. So if you're in the New York City area, go to 210 Thompson Street in the West Village and go check out Generation Records. They're like the last kids on the block as far as record stores. Right. And last but not least, merch. Any kind of, see Murphy's Law right here. Um, if you need shirts printed, you go to New Republic Printing. NewRepublicPrinting.net and follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. And the best part about them is there's no screen fees, which that's what kills everyone. There's no mm. screen fees. There's no setup fees. And if you get your order delivered to any commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So cool. you can get 10,000 prong shirts made and you can get them delivered to the gas station at your corner. They can get 150 <laughs> boxes and it doesn't cost you an extra dime for shipping, which is huge. Wow. So those are my three sponsors. And I have wow. a Patreon account. I never plug this. I have a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash the Brooklyn Blasphemers, this yeah. podcast will always be free, always. But if you feel like you want to throw me a couple of bucks, but you're not just throwing me a couple of dollars because there's things involved with it. So you're not just giving me your money. So there's yeah. three different tiers, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, and $20 a month. But once you get to the 10 and 20, there's merch involved and shit like that. So check it out. Like I said, you don't have to. It's cool. I do have a bunch of patrons, but I don't do this for money. I do this to bullshit with people that, you know, I dig, I like their bands or whatever it might be. So those are my sponsors and that's it. How can people buy your fucking at work? Well, you can go to Facebook and go to my at, I have uh, Ted Parsons art, uh, Parsons art, something or other, and you have to. Well, go you also there. have TedParsons.net is your website. Exactly. See that? You can, you can just contact me on my email. Yeah. There you go. You don't have an Instagram account, do you? I don't. I, I don't have a Twitter or Instagram. I never really thought it was useful. Twitter, I, I'm on there, but it's it really doesn't do anything for me. But. Instagram for promoting stuff, especially like your art or whatever, mm. is great. And, okay. it, and what a thing with Instagram is, as opposed to Facebook, yeah. Facebook is a huge, gigantic shit show. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, Instagram isn't really like that. Yeah. It's pictures, and then you put your description of whatever, but it's a really awesome promotional tool. It okay. might help you. I don't I know. Gotta, I'll check that out, Jimmy. Yeah, you should do. I mean, what, what have you got to lose? Not much. Right. That's right. You, you know Paul Bearer from uh, Sheer Terror? Yes. He's a great guy. Yeah, I had him on way back. He's one of he, the most listened to episodes. He's funny, fuck that guy. He's really funny. One of the greatest, the, the greatest banter on stage mm. ever. <laughs> exactly. Hilarious. Hilarious. Now you remember Lamore's. I may might be too young. We used to play Lamore's. Oh, no, Lamore's was my club. My first ever show was at Lamore's. I no was kidding. at Lamore's a thousand times. Fuck yeah, yeah. Lamore's. Yeah, we used to play there quite a bit. But what they do is you, you get on your on the stage, and when you're done, they throw your shit up on the on the sidewalk. 
Of course. Well, you <laughs> you guys were supposed to. There's a flyer. I, I think I, ha, I have it on my computer. There's a flyer for the last thrash bash that you guys yeah. were supposed to play. You guys were on the original flyer. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it got yeah. taken off, and then it said special guest. But the special guest, there was nobody ever. Yeah. Well, we used to play. Guest. We play there with Carnivore, you know, Pete Steele, and uh, great. That guy was something else. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he'd always be hanging out of seat like, oh, Chetty, what's uh, what this Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Gerard guy? Well, what's his story? Uh huh. Yeah, he, he liked, was he, awesome though. Pete was such a good dude. He was, but he, I gotta tell you, he, when he was on tour, he banged everything in sight. <laughs> I'm sure. And um, a quick story about uh, Pete is we, uh, I wanted, I called him up and he's in Brooklyn uh, after the tours. And he's like, hey, Teddy, how you doing? And I said, great. Now you wanna do a tour with Godflesh and, and uh, uh, Typo? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. But he said, I'm in a, not in a very good spot here now. I came home and my wife's banging someone on the one in the bedroom, and I almost killed him. I bashed his head in several times, oh and, I, I, and they arrested me, and uh, I put the guy in the hospital. Oh my god! And I said, "Well, I kind of felt like saying, well, Sergio, well, you know, that's what you get when you're like cheating on your girlfriend all the time, <laughs> yeah. left and right, you know." Uh huh. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a, because he worked for the parks department and there was, um, in Prospect Park, there's the Pete Steele Memorial tree. Really? Yeah, yeah, there's a Pete Steele tree and, and it's planted in, in his memory and people go there and they'll tie like green shit on there and whatever. And yeah, yeah. I recently, I recently, he's buried out on Long Island. I really, I recently, me and my girlfriend, my, my girl knew him yeah. and we, we went and go visited his grave. And there's also, if in Prospect Park, if you find the tree, it's like probably about fifty feet off to the right. There's like a path because it's in the middle of the, like grass. So right. if you go to, to the right, there's like a path, and there's a whole bunch of benches. And one of the benches, there's like a, a gold plaque, and it says in memory of, you know, Pete. You know, however you say his real last name, Peter Steele. And Peter but Steele, it doesn't. Yeah, there's um, you know, there's a a bench in his memory and a tree planted for him there. Wow. I'll say actually, I'll I'll, I'll message you. I'll message you the the tree on on Facebook when we're all done. <laughs> yeah, it's the Pete Steele tree. Yeah, man. I, I'm learning more about you than you're learning about me. Hey, hey listen, <laughs> I don't know. I just bullshit. I don't even realize it, but fucking recording at this point anymore. I don't even know. I just shoot the shit. Whatever. Yeah. Well, listen. Um, any other questions, Jimmy? No, no questions, but I will, I just will say this one last thing. Um, okay. This, this goes up raw on YouTube and I, I put the video up on the Facebook group, but, um, right. but the audio version will have my intro, which, you know, goes everywhere, iTunes, SoundCloud, everywhere. So I tack on my intro to it and then everybody who is in a band that I ever have on, I have to ask you that I will tack on a song or two of mm. yours to the end of this episode. So you got to pick a prong song to play. Okay. All right. And maybe, I don't know, maybe like a Godflesh song? Sure. All right. Well, what, what, what prong song do you want me to play? Jeez. 
I don't know. I got to think about that. Um, I, I can't think. I can't really think. Um, this is my, uh, the only damage I had for my brain tumor was short term memory. So, okay. My wife's like, yeah, you always had short term memory. Uh, you want to um, you want to play you want to play something off of the prove you wrong record? Sure. What song? Brainwave. Brainwave. You know what? That was a tribute to the Bad Brain. I know. It's one of my favorite songs ever. Brainwaves. That's it. Brainwave and and a Godflesh song off of Hymns, obviously. Yeah. What was play your favorite? Voidhead. Yeah. Ah, awesome. Very cool, man. So now. You're on Facebook, you don't have Twitter or Instagram, but all you kids out there, go to tedparsons.net, hit him up on Facebook, check out his artwork, go to the, his art page on Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, we're going to close out with Prong, Brainwave from the Prove You Wrong record, and Voidhead off of Godflesh Hymns. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Dude, thank you so much for your time. This was great, man. You're welcome, Jimmy. I love talking to people. Yeah, uh, that's, no a problem. that's a beautiful. Listen, yeah, just try to try to get through this uh, this fucking uh, virus madness. Madness. I will. Listen, I, I I throw my mask on when need be. I go back and forth to work, and do what everyone else has. You know, do do the same shit as everyone else. Basically, yeah. it's a waiting game for everybody at this point. So there's really not much I can do, but. I just hey, do what I got to do. Listen, next time I come to Brooklyn, I want to meet all my friends, and I want you to come and now talk to you. And we'll, we'll meet up a bar somewhere, probably in Greenpoint or wherever. Sounds like a plan. We'll go grab a bite. Of, we'll go grab a fucking a, a slice of pizza, not from Ray's. <laughs> okay, man. Listen, have a, have a good night. You do the same, buddy. Thank you. All right. See you, Jimmy. Be safe. <laughs>